When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I think the biggest thing is, you know, we've got to score points. You know, we didn't score enough. We're in the red zone. Obviously, I want to be able to run the football and, and play action pass because I think that's the most effective way to to effective a defense. You know, we didn't score enough points in the red zone. We weren't good enough on third downs. I mean, there was a lot of things that that uh, we need to improve on there. And a lot of things I've been thinking about is, you know, we got this great player. How are we going to block him? Let's let's get innovative with with this so that we can. Uh, protect and be able to throw the ball or protect and be able to run the ball to a different spot. Emailer Brent. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Phil. It's good to have us all back in the in the same room it's here. It's been a today. while. Yeah. Uh, the Viking season ended. <laughs> yeah, I'm not me sure about, if you guys heard. Tell me about it. I was yeah. there for that glorious game. Um, all kinds of stuff on 1500ESPN.com. But emailer Brent sends an email to Mackie and Judd at 1500ESPN.com. Think I've lost it for you guys because you must be the ultimate homers, which Judd has never been called, so I don't know what that... <laughs> Wouldn't be the first guy who uh, who turned on Mackie and Judd, though. And thought it was a different show? <laughs> well, that too. What are you doing? Oh, I see. Days? Turned on Turned on. Mackie no, no, not, okay. turned, not turned on the show. Turned uh, on us. He says, love the analytical mumbo-jumbo and excuses for Mike Zimmer. Remember, he and Kirk Cousins have thus far denounced any responsibility for underachieving this season, i.e. they made excuses. And he goes on to spew venom about Mike Zimmer and how Mike Zimmer is a terrible coach, et cetera, et cetera. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When did we, when did we create excuses for Zimmer? I just got done. Okay, Scoggins and I had to brief you. Just got done the last hour talking about the assessment of blame here and how the head coach has to take some and certainly the GM does as well. And that I am not a Cousins fan, but I am not as upset at Cousins as Collar is because as I explained... They signed him to this huge contract, and then they basically said, go do a lot of things that we know you probably can't do. And he didn't do them. Well, I think they were trying to experiment to see, are there things that you can do that we're like we're hopeful that you can do and overcome, and now we sit here and you know exactly who Kirk Cousins is. Yes. But I saw, I feel like over the past week and a half, just bumming around holidays and Viking season coming to an end, and especially... Just going back, listening to Ventline, which might not be the most accurate representation in that moment of panic and sheer, you know, Vikings devastation two hours after a game. But the amount of people who are just ready to be done with Mike Zimmer is baffling to me. And I don't know if it's just a small minority, if it's just if it's like five percent and they're really vocal. But I did some digging right before I came on here with you guys. So Mike Zimmer. And keep in mind all the things he's had to deal with in his was it is it five full years uh, now as Vikings head coach. 2014. Yep. He's forty seven thirty two and one. Okay, mm-hmm. which is a better career winning percentage than John Harbaugh, a better career winning percentage than Pete Carroll. That that's Pete Carroll also you know with the Patriots and the he was with the Jets for a while too right but it's Pete Carroll's career. Mm-hmm. He has a better career winning percentage than Mike Holmgren and Dan Reeves. I mean, I get that it's a smaller sample. He's only been a coach for five years. He doesn't have a Super Bowl. Mike Holmgren has a Super Bowl. Pete Carroll has a Super Bowl. John Harbaugh, does Dan Reeves have a Super Bowl, or did he just go to three He's of them? He's got several Super Bowl losses. Yeah, he lost two in Denver at least. <laughs> and then one with Falcons. He lost, he lost well, three. Lost with the Falcons. Yeah, yeah he lost, lost three in yeah. Denver and, uh, and one in Atlanta. Yeah. So Dan Reeves is... Um, but I guess my point is, be careful what you wish for if you're on the I'm done with Mike Zimmer bandwagon. No, At least have an idea of, okay... 
All right, if you're going to punt a 47 and 32, 47, 32 and one coach to the curb, mm-hmm. I need to know what I'm getting on behind door number two before I just impulsively react that way. I also think what we need to do is stop for a second and think about this. I think if there is a, a deeper discussion to the 2018 Vikings and their failure to do what we all expected, it's also about the inability or lack thereof of upper management to give assistance to people who needed assistance. And by that, I mean Cousins. Kurt, listen, you can watch Cousins. If you watched, and they claim that they did, every snap in Washington, then you saw a guy who has God-given talent. But you also saw a guy who has faults, and he's deep into his career. So to start to experiment now is silliness. Mike Zimmer needs help as well. Mike Zimmer is a phenomenal defensive coach. There's no doubting that. He develops... Defensive backs, like few people can. Defensive line, they draft. The draft picks look, for for the most part, fantastic or sign guys. All of that's great. But what they don't do, or what the Vikings failed to do, was they failed to give help to people. Cousins needed help. He didn't get it. Zimmer needed help. He didn't get it. You hired an offensive coordinator um, who was a quarterback's coach for Philadelphia who won a Super Bowl title but as the third offensive guy, right? And it was crystal clear after last year, Pat Shermer was outstanding, unbelievable. But Pat Shermer was a head coach of offense. That's what Mike needs. So I think if you're trying to regroup now and say, all right, you you can want to cut Cousins and fire Zim, but that's not going to happen. Everybody's coming back. The question then becomes, what can you do to help these people? And okay, and and I agree with that. And I think there's a, I think, so I guess to piggyback off what you're just saying, I look at this team and I don't think, oh, God, I mean, they missed their window completely. And now you have to look at wholesale changes and it's just up in flames. And I look at this team and I say, all right, definitely not the ideal outcome. You thought they would, I mean, go beat Buffalo and be a playoff team, right? Go at least be nine, six and one because you beat Buffalo at home. So I look and I say, it's a disappointment, but there are things you can do to help this team. You can have better chemistry between offensive coordinator, head coach, and quarterback. You can spend more money in free agency or higher draft picks on offensive linemen, right? There's certain things you can do in the offseason to make this thing at least give it a jolt going into 2019. I think people fall prey to this bell curve myth in the NFL that, all right, it's a conveyor belt. You fire a coach, you hire a new coach, and maybe you win six games or eight games, and then you then you get to nine wins, and then you get to 10 or 11 wins, and it's like, okay, then you get to the top of a mountain, and either you win a Super Bowl or you start to come down the other side. And so if it goes from 12 or 13 wins back to, to nine or 10 wins, let's say, people's knee-jerk reaction is, oh, well, now you're on the downside, so now you got to fire the coach. But that's not – I think sometimes that's the case. I mean, maybe Brad Childress had to be fired because they came back down and it was just – it blew up in well, his face, crashed right? they down. That was different. But, I mean, Bill Cowher missed the playoffs a couple times. They didn't fire him in Pittsburgh. They came back and they won a Super Bowl a few years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seattle could have fired Pete Carroll. Now Seattle had a great second half of the season. I wouldn't be shocked if Seattle gets the NFC Championship game if they win a couple games and, uh, and go into Dallas this weekend. So I guess I look at it and I say, yep, probably should have made the playoffs – not the best outcome, definitely a buzzkill. But if you add this and you hire this thing right over here, you might be back to 11 or 12 wins. Your defense is still going to be very formidable with all the players still in their prime. I don't, I'm don't. i not ready to do anything other than just chalk this up to, yep, kind of a buzzkill, but dust yourself I, off and come back next year. I think that the most important thing that you have to do is you have to get Cousins help, and, and that's both with the line and the coaching staff. Yeah, but that's very feasible, but right? I mean, you I mean, need isn't to, that pretty easy to you, do this offseason? You need to look at Cousins and realize that he's got talent, but it needs to be coached and directed. And, and what are all the best teams doing with QBs who aren't superstars mm-hmm. but good? They're directing him, right? Jared Goff's very good, but he gets direction constantly. Trubisky played well here. He gets direction constantly. So I think what you, I think the biggest mistake that the Vikings made on Cousins was they signed him and said, well, you're being paid like a top five QB, so play like one. That's not going to happen. Yeah. You definitely have to throw the salary out the window at this yes. point. It doesn't, and it's, it's amazing that the top six highest paid quarterbacks, Courtney Cronin tweeted this out a couple of days ago. The top six highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL all missed the playoffs this year. Salary cap ship. I mean, I'll still take Aaron Rodgers on my team for the next five years, but uh, 651-646-8255.
Mackie and Judd. We got Manny. We got Jonathan. And uh, we're back at full strength here for the new year. John and Cottage Grove. What's going on, John? Hey, guys. Uh, I just wanted to call in and uh, share a couple of my thoughts on the whole Zimmer situation. I've been a, a huge Mike Zimmer supporter kind of from the beginning. I'm more of a hard-nosed football fan, so I, I'm all about kind of the way that he plays football and things like that. But I am really actually starting to question him as a head coach. And I understand his record is good, and I don't actually have any great solutions on on who would be a better head coach, but it seems more and more like Zimmer is just a glorified defensive coordinator. Uh, you you kind of alluded to that in saying he needs a good offensive coordinator who acts kind of like a head coach does uh, of the offense, and and that seems like a big gap, and I don't know if that's possible anymore with the way that Zimmer keeps treating offensive coordinators. I mean, this was a really coveted job last offseason, is the Vikings offensive coordinator job even that coveted anymore? Is is Zimmer a huge piece of that? Like that's a that's a big gap that makes me question the the head coach. Uh, but overall, I would say I'm most frustrated with Spielman. He's the guy that's got to pull the right strings, bringing in an offensive line. I mean, we knew that that was Cousins' weakness going in. Uh, those are my two thoughts. Though, if you guys would share your feedback, I uh, appreciate it. I hang up and listen. Cool. Thanks, John. Good call. Thanks. The Spielman one, I agree with completely. And Rick has done some good things here. But Rick has also done some things I don't get. Um, Now, the interesting thing about the Cousins signing, too, is to backtrack on that, I think at the time we all agreed it it was a good idea. Because Keenum, you knew, was not going to come back in 2018 and be great again. And so I give him a pass on that. I don't give him a pass on not getting Cousins' help. The Zimmer conundrum is difficult because... And I asked you this question before the show today, Phil. I said, and this is not a hot take, so this is not a statement, it's a question. Is Mike Zimmer a defensive first coach? In fact, forget his name. Is a defensive first coach in 2019, as things have evolved now, and this league has become incredibly offensive and and quarterback-friendly, and quarterbacks need guidance, is that type of guy the type of person that you want as your head coach, or are those guys going to be on the market as coordinators and the best coordinator minds offensively now are all going to get head coaching jobs? So I I get your question, and it's a good question, but unless you're at the forefront of offense, Mm -hmm. is playing catch-up offensively the place you want to be too? I I guess if you you gave me the choice of, hey, uh, you could go offensive-minded head coach, which, by the way, you don't even, you don't even like. At least you know that Mike Zimmer can lead a winning football team, and he has. He's 15 games above 500 in five years as the Vikings coach. So you know that he can lead a winning football team. So if you give me offensive-minded head coach and the unknown of whether they're qualified to be a head coach, I balk at that because if you can't guarantee me that it's a Sean McVay level leader and offensive mind, am I just going to be playing catch up as the 15th best offense in the NFL? But hey, we're like. We're running a bunch of tricky offensive plays, and we're an offensive-minded organization, and we draft saying. offensive players. I mean, I would almost rather zig while other teams are zagging. I would almost rather go the Detroit Pistons approach of, all right, well, we're not gonna, we're not gonna out. We don't have Shaq and Kobe. We're not gonna outgun. We don't have Allen Iverson. So mm-hmm. let's just put a bunch of meat and potatoes, ham and eggers on the court, and let's play defense, and let's go, let's go beat the Lakers that way. So I actually don't mind the approach, and I don't think it's a. I don't think it's been a failed approach just because you haven't won a Super Bowl yet. Unless you want to write the Mike Zimmer uh, last chapter right now, which I don't. I want to give him two or three more years to see, okay, wh- what what can you do with all these defensive players in their prime? What can you do with an offensive coordinator that maybe you mesh better with? Maybe you, Okay, maybe you did whiff on this hire, and that's fine. Like right. pe- People whiff well, can, sometimes. Can you find a guy to come in here and run this offense and pay him a huge sa- a salary to stick around too? So at some point in time, like if you had gone to Shermer in November of last year mm-hmm. and said, we'll give you $4 million. It sounds ridiculous, but you're really good. And Mike's strengths are on this side of the ball. But offensively, we've had a season in which your play calling has not been questioned, which is unheard of in that league. And we'll attach the title of associate head coach yeah, to, to you. Whatever. Yep. Would that make sense? Because that's the that's the one thing that you've got to get back to with this team is setting Zimmer up with a guy offensively who can basically operate by himself, and so you don't get this. Well, we're not running the ball enough. We're not doing this. My frustrations are starting to come out because once that once you go down that path, it gets much more difficult. How much money did Laquan Treble make this year? 
<laughs> Too much. I'll look it up. Like, if, if $4 million would have gotten Pat Shermer to stay, <laughs> let me see here. I got it here. Laquan Trevor. He's on his rookie I just contract. Want to know. So Did probably, he make four? No, 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 no. He shouldn't have. I think he was one Late something. first round. And it was pick, three. Yes. The cap, it was three. Okay. All right. Like, okay. if you could have just traded but keep in mind Laquan too, Treadwell's... Keep in mind, too, coaching and consultants is the one area in this league with no cap. So what's who is the highest-paid assistant coach? Do we know? Might be Josh McDaniels. Well, prob- probably is, He's got to right? be up there. Yeah. There's, probably now if, is, yeah. if Josh, if, if they were ready enough in Indianapolis to have a press release sent out, <laughs> you know that they agreed on some sort of like 2 or $3 million a year contract. <laughs> and the pay- and he's not going back to New England if it's just like, oh, come back, please. He had hired coaches for the Colts yeah. staff, which I think they kept. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 651-646-8255. We're international here on Mackie and Jeb. Martin in Canada. Hey, guys. Um, quick thing. I noticed a couple of things. I feel the quarterback this year coasted, which like, what I mean by that is there's no pocket presence. Like, there's times he could have won the first down, which would extend our plays. And he coasted. Like, he didn't want to take the risk. Like, he was way more mobile in Washington, and something about it this year looks weird. Like, it looks like he doesn't want to win the first down. I'm not saying Case Keenum was better, but Case Keenum played to win every single game. Like, there's no second chances. And that's what he has to understand. Next year, if he doesn't play good, you draft a quarterback and he's gone. Like, you get rid of this guy. But you play to win the game. Like, you do not sit there and coast. And he's coasting. The other thing is accountability. You have two interior, maybe three interior linemen that are playing garbage, but they're afraid to bench those guys. Like, Brett Jones was brought here. I don't care if these guys are better or not, but give them the opportunity to beat the guys that are getting gobbled up. Like, those guys are getting embarrassed, like, totally shoved around by the defensive line of other teams, yet they get to start the next week. Like, Tom Compton is, <laughs> I'm not even going to say it. But I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, don't say it. Like, yeah. They're not starters. Like, and there has to be accountability for positions. Like, if you cannot start in the NFL, how do you protect a $28 million quarterback if you're not good enough to start? Yeah, Martin, we, uh, thanks for the phone call. Thanks for uh, the Canadian accent coming through there with Martin. That was awesome. But, okay, the Vikings only have about two or three legitimate starting caliber offensive linemen on their entire roster. So you, let's keep going down that path of, well, let's hold people accountable for being crappy at blocking, right? And Brett Jones played early, early in the season, and he just he didn't play well. Right, so guess what? He was held accountable because he was <laughs> crappy at blocking. If you, don't, if you only have like three legitimate offensive linemen on your team. Mike Remmers, though. Okay, so here, here's the one that makes no sense. Mike was signed to play right tackle, right? He played right tackle for almost the entire 2017 season and played pretty well. Not great, but he played pretty well. Um, then a guard, then a guard gets hurt as you go into the playoffs in 2017. Remmers has moved inside there. We all see him play and we're like, you know what? This guy's a much better tackle than guard. And he never gets moved back. And he never got moved back. So I, I fault. Executive decisions there. I fault personnel decisions there. You asked a guy who was a serviceable, not great, serviceable tackle to play inside in the playoffs, which was a big ask. And then instead of saying, thanks a lot, now you're going back to a position at which you're pretty good, they, he was left there. Yeah. How does that make sense? Uh, there is. When we, when we come back here, uh, speaking of Vikings moves and who's, who's staying, who's going, uh, Courtney Cronin and also Alex Marvez have a nugget about a Vikings assistant coach who they're trying to bring back, not Kevin Stefanski, but a very prominent and controversial assistant coach, Mackie and Judd <laughs> I think I know. from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on traffic here. And I uh, still got that crash 169 northbound in Hopkins between Excelsior and Highway 7. That delay is about seven minutes right now. So it's uh, starting to pick up a little bit, but it's still uh, slowing things down. Also, 169 southbound, we got a stalled vehicle in Edina between 494 and Anderson Lakes Parkway. A lane in that area is actually blocked. Gentlemen? When you're looking for your next offensive coordinator, do you put any extra weight on candidates who you have a prior relationship with? Does that help in the process at all? No, not really. I, I, I know where you're going with that question, but that's not, that's not a good question. <laughs> I mean, it's a good question, it's just, but it's probably 
probably you're fishing in the wrong pond. <laughs> ben Gessling, that was the Hugh Jackson question. Yes, it without was. Without saying Hugh Jackson's name. Yes, it was. And it was marvelous. <laughs> well, it was, a, it was a fine question. I don't know what Mike yeah. Zimmer is saying. It's a bad question. Now, a bad question. Now, I took wrong pond, and I tweeted this out, to mean that that I'm not going there with Hugh Jackson, probably. Gessling then took my tweet and said that all he took from it is, I know Hugh Jackson's name is coming up, and I'm not going to mention it publicly. Yeah. So that might be right. Yeah. But I was trying in my tweet to to calm fans down. Because on a couple of days ago, I tweeted out, you know, this Hugh Jackson thing seems to me like it's going to happen. And the response I got on my Twitter timeline, very concerned Vikings fans. Man. So, well, Hugh Jackson's just like such a, he's such a hot name for all the wrong reasons. Even if there are some redeeming qualities about him and he's got head coaching experience, even though it's mostly failed head coaching experience and he's been with these different teams and... Maybe he's got some value to offer. I feel like he's a name that you just can't touch right now. It's just like too much of a, a, I mean, it's like there's a trunk full of stolen goods or something and the car is hot. Like you can't, you can't hire (laughs) Hugh Jackson right now. I like that. The issue with that though is doesn't Zim strike you as the exact type of personality who would then say bleep Bleep everybody. I'm hiring Hugh Jackson, my friend Hugh. Yeah. Here, ask him some questions. Yeah. Um, Speaking of other controversial names. Alex Marvez tweeted this out just about 30 minutes ago. Source tells me Vikings are working to re-sign special teams coach Mike Prefer, whose contract is expiring. Team is exploring other options in case it doesn't happen. Okay. What's the most... Now that now that kickoffs are almost completely irrelevant, right? I mean, everything's a touchback now. So your kickoff coverage team is really not facing any significant bullets. I would say... Punt coverage team, you don't want to give up big punt returns, but if you get enough hang time, you have a punter who kick the ball high in the air, mm-hmm. you're fine, right? Kick the ball out of bounds, whatever. You, you can you can avoid somebody returning a kick every other week on you, right? I would say the field goal kicking game and the extra point kicking game are like by far the two most important things in special teams. Unless I'm forgetting something or missing something. In today's NFL, the ability to kick field goals and extra points at a high rate has to be the most important combination, right? Mm-hmm. And the Vikings are terrible at that. And Mike Prefer is the head coach of that department to the football team. So why is he such a hot, sought-after commodity at this point? Even going back to the Chris Cluey stuff, I mean, right. I, I might have sent him to an island packing then just because of the high-maintenance factor and the homophobic factor. And like, got, dude, come on, be a better sp- human. He got suspended, but he didn't get fired. Yeah. I don't, I don't get this, really. I don't get this, and and I will continue to say, and this to me does not just make sense for the Vikings. It makes sense for every team. How do we? How are we not entering an era where they hire kicking specialist coaches? Isn't that what your special teams coordinator is supposed to be? I don't think it is, though. I think your if, special if, teams if, coordinator is, is, is goes around swearing and yelling alley wedge right like they did in, in the old days. But I would. I think the Vikings need, if Prefer comes back, I would... And they won't do this, but I would say Mike Zimmer and Mike Prefer, the one thing you're not going to be involved with at all in the 2019 season is your kicker. I'm getting a kicking specialist and you're out. But I don't understand this team's complete um, infatuation with Prefer. I don't get. But isn't that like hiring a chef at a restaurant who can't cook a steak? All right, listen. So we know you're the chef. And you and you just can't cook a steak to save your life. You overcook it, you undercook it. You just you don't have any feel for how to cook a steak. So we're going to bring in a steak cooking specialist. Mm-hmm. No, you would just fire your chef and find a new chef, wouldn't you? But isn't it kind of like having a? Pitching- I'm on fire with the analogies right now. <laughs> but isn't it in some ways kind of like having a pitching coach and a bullpen coach? I you know, I you like have, you have your pitching coach yeah. that sort of oversees everything in your pitching department, but then you also have. A, a, a guy that specifically works with your bullpen guy. I liken a kicking coach to a goalie coach in hockey because kickers are just mm-hmm. weird. They're weird people with weird jobs. I mean, they play in this they play in this manly man game where people spend their hours trying to beat each other up, and ultimately, when that's all done, sometimes they bring out their one hundred forty pound body and their little foot and kick a ball. It's a weird it's a weird job. I want somebody who understands that job. And I can guarantee you from ha- having watched him, Mike Prefer doesn't really get the job. Like he just doesn't. Well, he just certainly doesn't get how to connect well with kickers unless the Vikings unless it's just this crazy anomaly that two dudes who were drafted in the 5th round and uh, and had big legs and big potential just flamed out and then experienced I mean, Blair Walsh was fairly successful with the Seahawks for a while. Then he 
I guess it was only it for like south, a few weeks. Yeah, I went south pretty quick. Yeah, yeah you're probably right. He was mentally good. Uh, but, I mean, Daniel Carlson, all right. Well, that's a huge indictment. Yep. And it's a huge indictment that you are so unsure about him that after one bad game, just everyone's like, oh, we got to bail on this guy. Well, then why would you commit to drafting him in the first place? Because it, None of it makes sense. Because your head coach essentially benched him in a preseason game. This is, this is what I'm talking about. Spielman, it's as if he at times operates on special teams and offense in a vacuum that doesn't involve Zimmer. And then it's like, oh, Mike doesn't like this? Well, I could have told you that. You called me on my cell phone, Rick, and I could have told you this. Yeah. Mike Mike Zimmer hates kickers. I know that. You've got to get... They should have gotten Sebastian Janikowski. Seabass would have been perfect here. How many he games? drinks and smokes and kicks a football. Zimmer would love him. <laughs> well, and where's the jersey untucked? Yes. <laughs> How many games did the, did the kicking situation lose the Vikings this year? Like, it was annoying... And Dan Bailey had either the worst or second worst kicking year of his career. And you could also make a case for Dan Bailey. I guess this is sort of a to defend Mike Prefer. Dan Bailey was a pro bowler, I want to say, three or four years ago. And he made like 93% of his field goals or something. He missed, I think he was like 32 of 35 or some, whatever it was, 27 of 30. And pretty much every year, the last four years, Dan Bailey has gone down percentage-wise, down percentage-wise, and then down again. So some of it might just be that Dan Bailey is not the guy. He came in with the second best ever make percentage, field goal make percentage. And it might just be that, eh, maybe he's not the second greatest kicker of all time. Maybe maybe Dan Bailey was had a couple good years and but, coming back to earth a little bit. But Kai Forbath was fine. He was fine. Like he yeah. he missed some. PATs. He's also jobless, which is weird. Why would no, Kai he, Forbath? He got a job with Jacksonville well, in like at the week end. fifteen or something. But yeah. but Kai Forbath was fine. He missed some PATs and that annoyed you. But he made an incredibly big kick against the Saints in the playoff game. And for the most part, guess what? He was fine. Spielman's problem is he loves to get cute. Now with the quarterback, I got that. I completely got that. But then you're kicking, you're you're cutting the kicker and punter. Why are you doing that? And then trading up to take a kicker in the fifth round. Yeah. Like making that actual effort to yeah. trade up for a kicker. Why? I, I'm torn on Spielman. I, I tweeted out a couple days ago, I think it's absurd that people want Mike Zimmer fired. Mike Zimmer does not deserve to be fired. In fact, I think you could you could look at you could look at the last five years and the things that have either been thrown in front of him or I mean some of it's self inflicted for him, like, you know, he maybe plays a role in making kickers nervous or something. So I'm not even going to put kickers missing chip shots on the list. Maybe that's somewhat self-inflicted. But he's had Dalvin Cook, Mike Hughes, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford, other players tear up their knees, right? Key players tear up their knees. Tony Sperano passing away. Adrian Peterson's suspension in his first year. Everson Griffin, mental breakdown midseason. Your best def- defensive pass rusher has a mental breakdown and misses a month. Uh, Mike Zimmer almost had an eye taken out of his head three years ago almost went blind it's never good and he's 47 32 and one going just having things thrown at him on a regular basis so i i look at that and say the guy deserves to stay you know make a better hired offensive coordinator and fix a couple things here and there rick spielman i'm really torn on because he does a great job finding the stefan Diggs and the adam Thielens and the daniel hunters and he's able to go in and maybe sometimes he gets too cute with the kickers but at skill positions and defensively, he's able to go in and find some really good pieces, and then Mike Zimmer develops defensive players. But the two most important things for winning a Super Bowl are offensive line and quarterback. You can't tell me otherwise. And Rick Spielman has been outside of Teddy Bridgewater, and we don't really know what would have happened there. So it's a little bit unfair to put the Teddy Bridgewater thing on him because maybe that was the franchise quarterback and he blows his knee out. But if offensive line and quarterback are the two most important ingredients for winning a Super Bowl... And you look at his 10-year resume at those two bins. Right. It's really hard to justify that he knows exactly what he's doing with offensive line and quarterback. So so at quarterback, here's what I don't get, though. Rick's been here since 2006. And Brad had authority until he got fired in the 2010 season. And then Rick split it with Les for a while and has been GM since the team went uh, 3-13. and What I don't understand is how have they never gotten anybody in that building to help him identify quarterbacks? 
It's astounding. But that's the second coach that you've now said, well, we need to be like the most important thing that you do, you can't do. And so we're going to bring someone in to help you. And I if know, that's the case. I know, but like, okay, I, it's, it's just, a specialized game. I'm just try, I'm trying. I'm like trying. Your to, general manager should be able to find a, a, but he can't. a left tackle, right? He drafted Christian Ponder. He signed Josh Freeman for a game. He loved when Tampa Bay drafted Josh Freeman in 2009. The only reason why the Vikings took. Percy that year was because Josh was gone. He loved him. He has misidentified quarterbacks since really the beginning of time. Yeah. That's a pretty big indictment. It's it's also, I mean, John Elway misidentifies quarterbacks. And John yeah. Elway was one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So yeah. I don't I don't want to minimize how hard it is to find one of the ten to fifteen capable guys in the world. But you can find well, them. when you've had ten or twelve cracks at it, yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard to justify. The other part of it too is I think you cannot underrate whiffing on Matt Khalil. Oh, huge. Because if you had hit the home run with Matt Khalil that you thought you hit, at least after year one with Matt Khalil, you don't need to go out and spend money to get Riley Reef because your left tackle situation is solidified at, at that point, and it's good, and maybe you can use... Now, you're probably paying Matt Khalil a pretty good chunk of change that you would be paying Riley Reef anyway, sure. but you you're... Your attention then goes to other areas, maybe on the offensive line, that you otherwise had to address because you whiffed on Matt Khalil in 2013. But or don't, for, it was. don't forget, when Khalil got here year one, he was very good yeah. and, and then broke down. That yeah. was some bad luck there. The, the quarterback conundrum for Spielman is he just can't identify them. Because Khalil, he identified and looked to be a thousand percent right on, and then Khalil got hurt, and then Khalil got too skinny. Also, the and I think personally he hates football, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, that that might be the bigger part of it. I mean, injuries definitely played a role, but that dude was more interested in launching pyology restaurants than actually standing in front of a defensive <laughs> Find one right in Mankato. Yeah, I know. Trying to keep up with the Vikings still this year. I, actually, there was one just down the street from our from our hotel in Surprise, Arizona. The other. Are you serious? Yeah, almost stopped there. Almost uh, folded one up for Matt Khalil, but wow, couldn't do it. Good for him. Um, but on on Spielman, I don't condone firing for the sake of firing, and I'm not someone who likes to come on the microphone and just call for people's heads on a regular basis. That's my job here. Thank you. Judd loves to do that. Yes. <laughs> so, but but I I do think at some point your ten year track record with offensive line and quarterback has to speak some sort of volume. But on the other hand, I keep like I keep going back and forth on this. I'm actually pleasantly surprised with the Vikings not making major changes after an above 500 season and after a five-year run in which they've largely been one of the better teams in the NFL. I don't think you have to make changes every time you miss the playoffs. I don't think you have to fire the GM or hold people. I think sometimes you just had a bad year. You can bring most of the band back together, make some tweaks, and see what happens. I got a theory too. So I'm okay with it, but I'm looking at Rick Spielman saying, "Uh, okay, I got find an offensive lineman." I've got a theory on on why you can't right now as well, or why you don't do it, and it makes sense. Spielman and Zimmer going into the last year of their contracts in 2019, and now my guess is they'll get extensions through two, 2020 just for for show, basically. But if you were to go to Rick right now and say, "Fire Mike," okay, he fires Mike. He, he hires a head coach, are you then going to then fire Rick after 2019? The answer is no. And the new guy wants to hire his and the own new head guy, coach. And, right, and, yeah, if you fire, and if you fire Rick, Zim's gone. So I think what they're going to do is probably leave the contracts in place, extend them by a year, as I said, just for show purposes, and then if they do not succeed in 2019, everybody's gone. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, we're going to wrap the hour with Roycey, not the show. He's uh, got to hop on a flight to Fort Myers. So we're going to wrap the hour with Roycey when we come back here. Matthew Collar at 5 o'clock and Tom Pelissero from NFL Network later on as well. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on traffic before we do a little early wrap with Royce. Just one crash to tell you about right now. Uh, it's on 35E northbound in St. Paul between Pennsylvania Avenue and Maryland Avenue. Kind of a typical spot for where we see some of these crashes. Uh, it's adding a couple minutes to your commute. Gentlemen. Hey, Pat. Tell us about your Are new you? sleep schedule. Uh, 
At first, I was going to ask if you guys are bringing it all today now that you're back together. <laughs> Did you guys hear about that? The Vikings yes. trademarked bring it all? Bring it all home, or was it just bring it all? Bring it all. Bring it all. Just bring it all. What the hell does that mean? Because last year it. was bring it home, right? Because and now, it's, Bowl, now, man, now yeah. it's bring it all. Oh, so bring it home was just get to the Super Bowl. But bring it all would be oh, okay. all of it. Ah, okay. It's not, it's not quite the White Sox slogan of we're all in, and then they lost like 100 games. <laughs> I thought maybe they got the idea for bring it all. In fact, I just said this on Twitter from watching those defensive lines run through their offensive wow, line. there it is right there. You know, that could have been it. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I was uh, There was something wrong with me yesterday. I was exhausted at 6.30. I laid down. Slept four hours, got up at ten thirty, and was up till four, hacking, having a good time. So it was weird. Two columns, Mean Gene. Well, I wrote a I wrote a column on I went over and saw Moscow yesterday. I wrote a column on go for hockey for Friday, but then I had to do a Gene blog, Mean yep. Gene blog. So you got to write about the great Mean Gene. Uh, did you? Hey, Phil, did you ever? You must have met him somewhere along the line. Never, you? never met him. I think we we reached out. I can't remember. So at some point, we reached out to him like last year or two years I think ago. Through Pat. And he was golfing. He was going to come on our show, or maybe you helped facilitate yeah. it, but I never met him. He, But he's one of those figures that, as a kid and even as a probably as a high schooler when he was with WCW, too, he was weekly in my home on TV for 20 oh. years. Oh, yeah. Well, he, you know, he goes, he goes old time, old time, and, uh, you know, AWA, old time hokey wrestling, and, of course, uh, early modern wrestling and they were still until he got sick here recently they were still breaking him out for shows once a month or so so yeah he was still uh he was still going places for them and uh, doing stuff but as I, as I wrote in that blog i wrote there was a guy who knew that he had you know uh fallen off a cliff and landed in a pot of bullion <laughs> gold bullion you know i mean he was just a salesman and a bad sport coat at channel 11 and Marty O'Neill wouldn't cross a picket line, so they grabbed him and said, "Hey, do the interviews." He, he didn't even know the names of the wrestlers, and uh, guess, and it turned into something for him. So he, yeah. I, I always appreciated that about him. He's a, he's a hell, he was a hell of a guy. Man. Anyone who can and, uh, sit there straight face through Macho Man Randy Savage and <laughs> Ultimate Warrior promos is uh, is amazingly talented. <laughs> How about uh, uh, Suits, by the way? Today's podcast, he talked to Todd. He had Todd on for a while this morning. But, uh, I mean, uh, on his on Joe's podcast today, Todd Okerlund, uh, Gene's son. So yeah. if you want to listen to that, folks, I recommend it. GarageLogic.com if uh, people so, want to check that out. So, Patrick, January 2nd, if you were 76 years old yesterday, you were in big trouble. We had three people go down, right? Yeah, Captain and Tennille. Captain, Tenille, right, Captain went yeah. down, and then uh, they, and then uh, Super Dave Osborne. Yeah, what was Captain's? Uh, what was the Captain's last name? I don't even know what Captain's name was. I uh, saw it yesterday, but I had I had no okay, clue before I saw it. Tennille was the Tony was was it Correct. Tony Tennille? Yes, that that was some bad music, but what the hell? He made a nice career out of it. But yeah, Super Dave, uh, of course. Uh, modern eras know him more as Marty Funkhauser, but on uh, on. Uh, the uh, Larry David thing, Curb Your Enthusiasm, yeah. and Super Dave was great, but I had no idea it was Albert Brooks's brother, who's another, uh, you know, very sardonic, satirical, uh, funny guy, and uh, and the, the old man was a comedian, too. That house had to be a pain in the rear end for the <laughs> wife, man, that putting two kids who thought they were comedians in a, you know, a Catskills type of uh, a comedian, too, so, yeah, Super Dave was great. Yeah. Uh, just but but well, him, Gino and Joe were talking. I was talking about this. I mean, they both like created these caricatures and uh, and had great lives. It's uh, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, Pat but was seventy six. So- well, not a good day to be seventy six. No, it's not even. Well, on, on Mean Gene for a second. If you would have asked me how old do you think Mean Gene is, I would have said, well, he when I was a kid, he looked like he was fifty five, <laughs> yeah, and that's travel that's life. travel around in the old territorial wrestling days. I'm sure that's what sleeping two hours and hanging out with Ric Flair every night for ten years will do to you. But <laughs> but like he, I, I was shocked that he was only seventy six years old. I guess. Uh, well, yeah, I, I guess I didn't know, but you're right. He never looked young, but. Uh, a character, you know, rock and roll band as a kid, and uh, was on uh, 
think he was on music stations too in town before he became a salesman. Yeah. You know, playing rock and roll and doing stuff like that. So. Did, did you see the news about your guy Astadio, Patrick? We didn't get rid of him, did we? We not only did not jettison him, but he is what, Phil, a finalist for the MVP in, in his winter league, correct? Oh, is he? Oh, I really? didn't see that. Oh, you guys didn't see that? I, no, I just saw that he didn't. Oh, I thought you guys did, saw the tweet. That he didn't get DFA'd for Nelson no. Cruz. <laughs> no. He's a finalist for the MVP, I think, in his league. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. He, you know, he's crazy. I mean, he plays here and he goes back there and he doesn't miss a game. He plays every game. He, you know what? He comes to play five times. You know how many at bats he gets? Five. <laughs> yes. <laughs> here it is. I found this. It's from 12up.com. Every, okay. Everyone's favorite twin, Williams Astadio, is absolutely killing it in Venezuela right now. <laughs> uh, there's a. Trying to find the, the the page is loading slowly, but apparently, yeah, Judge Wright. There's another story too on Fangraph that he is an MVP candidate for the Venezuelan Winter League. Yes. Is that for real? Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was uh, terrified when I saw that. Uh, yeah, Cruz, they, the forty man was full, but Sluggers, they uh, they let him go. They probably tried to sign him to a minor league contract, but uh, you know what? The the thirteenth player is not set right on on this team. You're, uh, you know, you have a second infielder like that guy they signed from the Yankees but you know it could be this guy because you don't you know Tyler people are talking about Tyler Austin but who's he going to hit I mean you already got a bunch of right handed strikeout guys who's he going to what do you want him on your bench for who's he going to hit for you don't need that uh, you know that you got enough right handed power hitters in the lineup I think Willie's got a shot to be the 13th man yeah, they have okay. So Fangraphs is one of my favorite geeky baseball stat websites, and they, someone literally wrote like a five hundred word statistical <laughs> breakdown of Williams Astadio in the Venezuelan Winter League, and going back. So he had, let me see here, he had by far, uh, he has by far the lowest strikeout rate in the Venezuelan uh, Winter well, League. He's made two hundred sixty one plate appearances and four strikeouts so far. <laughs> That's, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, but I bet he doesn't have more than about six walks, right? <laughs> you got ten home runs. Oh, you know, you know who leads the league in home runs is Delman Young's got nineteen bombs in the Venezuelan Winter League. He's, He's also guy. an MVP candidate. <laughs> <laughs> Delman Young, yeah. Delman Young, and Williams Astadio are battling for the MVP right now. Yeah, I tell you what, nobody's going to try to buck uh, steal Delman Young's money. That's for sure. He'd track you down, baby. You'd be in trouble. <laughs> so Delman's, Delman's trying well, to come back, huh? Well, it, Pat, it's kind of like, what does Charles Barkley always say? I'm not messing with that guy. He's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Delman is on the list. Still the greatest quote in the history of Twin Fest. What do you like to do in the Twin Cities, Delman? Drink. <laughs> hey, he's just being honest, and you guys oh, dumped on him. Oh, my God. All he was doing was being honest. Oh, no, I don't... I don't think we jumped on him. We laughed. We thought it was hysterical. Well, then we look out at like that the three PR people all doing, you know, cut the interview, stop, don't do this. <laughs> no, talk some more about it. What bars? <laughs> what a beauty. What a beauty he was. Yes. So, anyway. Yeah, well, I'm going to be down in, uh, if, if, if I find out when Williams is, because he was late last year, remember? Yep. He had uh, visa problems, supposedly. Although he played the full season, he played the playoffs and the whole thing. But I'll greet him at the airport if he uh, if he shows if, if I hear him coming to town. I'll pick him up at the airport. <laughs> yes, love it. Uh, when um, um, when do players start to uh, trickle in just to do their own thing? I know that the report date is oh, going to be like mid February, but when do guys start? Not, to- you know what? Not too many were there early uh, last year because the spring training itself is so early now that uh, you know. The guys who aren't rehabbing something, I know they want Miguel to show up uh, somewhere in, uh, you know, sometime in January for a few days, but maybe not now that Rocco went and saw him in uh, in the Dominican, and apparently he didn't he didn't look heavy. So I mean, he didn't look didn't look like he was putting it back on again. So I'm not even sure if Miguel's going to be there. But uh, you know, you got the rehabbers uh, uh, down there. So I, I, but I, beyond that, I don't know who. I, I know last year. Like two, three years ago, when I was down early, there was a lot of guys around. But last year, not many, because again, they start February twelfth or thirteenth or some damn thing. So, so Pat, who, who do you think is going to be crazy enough to to want to take the job as uh, Zimmer's OC? 
Oh, how about you? Weren't you the one? Which one of you guys was predicting Neil Jackson? I've I thought of that that one, and he didn't. He, I guess he didn't dismiss it completely today when asked. He was he was vague about it, but he he didn't bring up Hugh's name, but he didn't dismiss it. Well, Pro Football Talk threw it out there. You know, it was on it was on uh, on Pro Football Talk last night. So that Neil Jackson would be a lead front runner, but if Jim Bob Cooter <laughs> fired in. Detroit for making the offense too simple. Isn't he the guy Zim wants? Because he'll run the damn right? ball, right? Just a couple. Yeah, just, just run the ball. Run the band, the damn ball, and make it super. Plus, Zim and Jim Bob at the farm in Kentucky. That would be fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shooting Zim stuff? Is, uh, I, I wouldn't be certain. I bet he, he'll get a job because didn't he have a pretty good reputation in uh, Detroit until this year? And supposed to be a big buddy of Stafford's, too, so that's kind of a. Ed Patricia's just another great Lions hire, isn't he? Oh, unbelievable! He's just a what made him think he was a head coach? I don't know. Why do they keep going to that Belichick? Well, they all look good because of Belichick. Yep. Yeah. Well, Josh Josh McDaniels is isn't Josh McDaniels? He already interviewed or will for the Packers job too, and he yeah, supposedly, supposedly he supposedly, supposedly turned down the Cincinnati. He turned down an interview with Cincinnati. Good for him. Well, yeah. If you only get one more shot at it, I'm not tying my wagon to Andy Dalton. If I have a chance, (laughs) if I'm going to leave Tom Brady, I'm. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's Andrew Luck. It's somebody in that category. But then again, if if, if, Andy Andy Dalton is tying your uh, your wagon to uh, Mike Brown, you know, who's now in his 80s, yes, hasn't changed a lick and won't build a facility and won't do anything. I mean, it's uh, it's a it's a Dump of a franchise, but you know what, though, Pat, if you if you take the Cincinnati job, you're probably you're probably going to at least have about ten, twelve years before anybody even thinks about firing you there, anyway. Yeah. You know, well, I don't know. Is Mike going to live to be ninety five? He's in his eighties uh, now, but uh, yeah, but I bet he's the Packer coach. I bet he'll be. The, it depends upon Rodgers gives him his blessing, but I, I think he might be the Packers coach, McDaniel's. Not, you know, not. Uh, it wouldn't wouldn't be my wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, well, and, and McDaniel's might be time to, you know, he he's kind of like Belichick. It was his first shot. He wasn't ready for it. Maybe he'll be ready this time. I don't know. Well, Pat, we apologize. Our show's not quite as long as it used to be, so you're not going to be able to pull the old "I got on a flight to Fort Myers, I fell asleep, yeah, I got right. back yeah, to the right. condo, and you were still that's on right. the air." That's right. In fact, I haven't even left yet. I had to get. I've been wandering the airport like Tom Hanks here for about four hours because I had to. My wife had other things to do, so she dropped me off early. Lots to do there now, Pat. Lots to do in that airport. Oh God Almighty! It drives you crazy. There's nowhere to sit because it's all restaurants and stuff like that now here. So go get a shoe shine. Can oh, you still I already do that? did that. I already did that. Oh, you can do oh, you that. Did, okay. You did a shoe shine at the airport. I did a shoe shine at the airport. There, there's. Poor, lonely-looking guy sitting there. You know, in the summer, they never get to shine any shoes because it's sneakers, and in the night, now everybody's got these boot-type things, and uh, it's it's a tough job. It's a tough gig, man. Uh, being a shoe shine guy at the airport is not easy. Hope you tipped well, at least. No, oh, I gave him four or five bucks, yeah. That's yeah, 15, 10 bucks, I gave him 15. Nice. That's very nice of you. Safe travels, Patrick. It's only money. It's only money. Okay, I'll talk to you uh, fellas uh, tomorrow, promise. All right, sounds good. You will. See, See you, Pat. Bye. Yep. See, I, I always, I've never done the shoe shine thing at the airport. It always feels really condescending. I'm going to sit Do up on this perch. you have shoes to be shined? Like, a, like I'm trying to think of the None last that time. I wore to the airport. Yeah. I wore sneakers to the airport. I have nice shoes, but I don't think I've ever, I think the last time I wore nice shoes mm-hmm. to the airport was when you got dressed up to travel, and I was approximately eight years old. When you wear your suit and your top hat and you bring your newspaper. Yes. And you light up a cigarette. Hey, don't laugh. Don't laugh. All those things happen on flights I I was on, except for the top hat. I remember smoking on planes. Yeah, as a kid, I remember that too. I do. I don't know how you survived. In retrospect now, it's it's crazy. You get in these little cylinders with no air movement and basically light up a Marlboro. Yeah. And you ash into the... And the little, like the ashtrays were these little tiny... And you're elbowing people as you try to... Ugh, so gross. I don't know how he did that. Uh, did you, been good. Do you have some mean gene, Oakland? I do. I've got uh, a couple of things. Um, I can do uh Macho Man Randy Savage interview uh, from July 18th, yes. 1987. All right. All right. Tremendous World Wrestling Federation action is seen here each and every week. And there is... 
There's so much happening these days within the confines of the World Wrestling Federation. I think we should establish still the heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan, a tremendous, tremendous athlete from Venice Beach, California. They still hold the tag team championship belts. They are the Hart Foundation, Brett the Hitman Hart and Jim the Anvil Neidhart. But a number of teams are hot on the heels of the Hart Foundation. Jimmy Hart can even tell you that. The Killer Bees, the Rajos, the new Dream Team. I can go on and on. The, well, come on in, Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay. You're eyeing a couple of titles right now in the World Wrestling Federation. First of all, let me pose to you the question of the honky-tonk man. He is the new Intercontinental Champion of the World, and I know you'd like to regain that title that you held for, correct me if I'm wrong, some 14 months. Not necessarily, no, no, yes. no, no, no. My name is on the, yeah, history books for the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship, though. But now to the top of the mountain to get Hulk Hogan, yeah, Hulkamania right now. Yeah, I'm looking at you, yeah. I'd rather die of exhaustion than die of starvation. Can you uh, pick that one apart? Huh? Well, what, what does that mean? No way. It's lean at the top. And crowded at the bottom. But in my case, it's lonely at the top because I am the future of professional wrestling. I'm the future of the World Wrestling Federation. But honky tonk, man, yeah. Go on and on and on if you can. But Hulk Hogan, I'm eyeing you. And I'm saying to you that I am, yeah, the future, yeah. And there's nothing that he can do about it. How, how, is, how is Elizabeth doing these days? Oh, I, don't, I don't have an opportunity to, to talk with her a great deal, Macho Man. That's right, and that's the way it's going to stay right now, right now. <laughs> yeah, it'll never happen any other way. And that's everything that I do. I'm talking macho madness. That's the key word right there. You know, I get the impression you're trying to swerve me on the subject of the honky-tonk man, the intercontinental champion. You may have an opportunity in the very near future to meet him. Yeah, the opportunity, the opportunity to go on and on and on and on. Space is the place, and the sky is the limit for the macho man, Randy Savage. And if I can reach up into the air and grab a passing star and hold it in my hand and have that power for those seconds, yeah, for those seconds, let it be, yeah. I'd rather die of exhaustion than of starvation, yeah. You caught that, didn't I, you? I caught it didn't it. go by you, no, did it, me, Gene Ogerlin? I caught it the yeah. first time. Different wavelengths, let it be. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, do you know my name? Yeah. Remember it forever and ever and ever and ever. All right, ladies and gentlemen, remember, he is the macho man, Randy Savage. Such a great straight Classic. man. Classic. He set you up. Yep. So Macho Man was, was famous as a bad guy for being a little verbally and maybe physically abusive of Miss Elizabeth, his his wife slash girlfriend or whatever she was, his valet. Mm-hmm. So Mean Gene, the little slu- the, the subtle little, uh, haven't had a chance to talk with her much recently because your Ike Turner was the implication. <laughs> he was, yeah. Mean Gene was fantastic. Yes. Oh, you're right. Matthew Collar starts off the football hour with us next, and Tom Pellicero as well. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN.